0: That's one of the things, honestly, that I kept going back to in all of this when I was really wrapping my head around everything. A kid wouldn't do this in the middle of seventh grade if they didn't have to do this to be themselves. I mean, middle school is hard enough. Right. <laughs> this isn't a choice.
1: <laughs> this is right. Why, you, why right. would you do this? Right. <laughs> Unless the alternative felt worse. Not livable. Most cisgender people have a hard time imagining what it's like to be transgender. But I don't know anyone who hasn't had some experience of not being seen for who they are. Maybe you know what it's like to have someone look straight through you. Maybe your voice or ideas are regularly left out of meetings. Or maybe you've been on the receiving end of some absolutely terrible customer service that leaves you questioning whether the person sees you as another human being. Not being seen sucks. Transgender people regularly go unseen, and even worse, they regularly have the experience of dealing with people and institutions that refuse to see them. They are regularly met with messages from strangers and even family members or friends that who they are is wrong, that what they know to be true about themselves isn't real, that they're just confused or in a phase. They feel like their lives and identities are always in question, and it hurts. It hurts, and it often triggers a deep sense of scarcity and shame. You're listening to Camp Wildheart, your guide for raising a transgender child and nurturing an affirming family. I'm your host, Mackenzie Dunham. Being labeled with unwanted identity is the number one trigger of shame. One of the scariest parts about shame is that we often don't hear about it from our kids because of how painful it is. It often makes us feel like we're the only ones who can understand our experience. Shame can make us feel totally alone and like we'll never be good enough. I mean, really, do you know anyone that would actually want to talk about that other than me? Yeah, me either. Tonight's campfire speaker features fierce and kind mom, Jennifer. Jennifer will share about her experience with her kids coming out and having to swim through the sea of shame with him to a place of resilience and healing. Jennifer and her husband live a pretty normal life. Their child, Aaron, is their only child and 15 at the time of this recording. This coming out story is a bit more intense than the ones that we've shared in earlier episodes, but highlights an incredibly important and very real threat to transgender children. As a reminder, all stories shared by parents at campfire are done so with the full consent of their child, and identifying details are altered to whatever point a family requests in order to feel safe sharing their story. So, uh, Jennifer, welcome to Camp Wild Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your story with us today.
0: Well, thank you for having
1: me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an incredible gift to be able to share your experience with so many other families and know that it's having such a tremendous impact. So really appreciated that. Well, I know that uh, when you asked, I thought, absolutely, this is needed. And so let's, let's do it. That's great. So what we've been talking about on the last couple of episodes is the coming out stories. And I was particularly excited to talk with you about um, your experience with your child's coming out um, because it is, I think, Well, I wouldn't like to say that it's more common, but I think what is particularly unique about um, your experience is that you learned uh, about your child's coming out in a different way. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Would you mind uh, just let's start there, and then we'll go back to learning more about him.
0: Okay, absolutely. So uh, the coming out, Mm -hmm. Uh, we had really what was – kind of a two-layered or two-tiered coming-out experience at our house. Erin um, was 13 and kind of first came to us and said, you know, I have a lot of anxiety and I need help. I've got I've got a lot of anxiety. I don't know what to do with this. I think I need help working through this. You know, they follow that up with some questions about, well, what's the anxiety about? You think there's a root to this? And, you know, well, there was stuff going on at school. that He didn't want to talk to mom and dad about. And also, by the way, I am not really sure about my gender, and I'm questioning some things right now. And that kind of okay. um, I hear ya. All right. Didn't really know what to do with that at that point, um, but agreed that you know maybe reaching out and finding someone to talk to would be. The best decision. I certainly didn't have a frame of reference for trying to extend much knowledge or wisdom or, or help. And plus I was mom. So.
1: Right. Yeah. And, you know, as a mom, you're like great for some things and in other ways, it's this.
2: Uh, Not equipped. You're,
1: I, yeah. I want, I, didn't, I want to tell you all the things, but I don't want to tell you any of the things. I didn't really understand what it meant to
0: be questioning gender at that point. Mm hmm and i will start right off the bat by being super vulner- vulnerable and admitting something that i i don't like that happened in the process of all of this you know when you ask people could you change something that happened in your whole story this would be it right here so okay. let's start with that <laughs> yeah let's go for it right just jump right in um you know when i i followed up with yeah we'll we'll find someone and my next comment was you know what I should have done is I should have stapled my lips closed and I should have opened my ears and I should have listened. But instead I did my mom thing.
1: Well, and let's just say like like you did the best you could with what you, you knew at the time. I did. Right. But
0: I jumped right in and in trying to like comfort or guide my child, I went into this spiel about how, you know, well, what I know about gender is that it really kind of exists on this spectrum. You know, you don't have to be, super ultra feminine or super manly masculine. Everybody has a little bit of both in them. And just because you don't feel like a super feminine person doesn't mean you're not a girl. Right. And I kind of lobbed that one out there. And that was the worst possible thing I could have done in that moment. Um, How did that land for him? Got quiet. And... At that point, you know, I realize now looking back that that was the point where that wall started going up. We we managed mm-hmm. to construct a pretty good wall between the two of us for a while. I think that that helped lay some of the beginning bricks <laughs> for sure, because when you think about trying to um, reach out and ask for help for, with something that you don't understand and have someone immediately come back at you with, well you know, you might feel this or this, but it doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, here I was already like trying to fence things in, in my mom way of, okay, let's go on containment here. Um, that, that Problem wasn't solving. My, and... Yeah. Yeah. wasn't my finest moment.
1: Yeah, <laughs> That's all right. You know, like a lot of parents I think are going to be really able to relate to that though. You know, yeah. that is, I think a pretty classic response of like are you sure that Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. you know what's going on because there's a lot more gender is complex right um but i do think that you know you are probably really insightful in terms of how your response to those really vulnerable uh, vulnerable statements Yeah. uh, yeah for him really did lay the groundwork for what came next
0: and you know, we followed it up in that conversation with, "Hey, you know we love you, we support you. it's fantastic that you're letting us know that you know you need some other input and resources, and we're gonna we're gonna go out and find those and let's mm-hmm. get started on this, you know, but in your brain, you're thinking hmm." Where does this go? I do Uh not know. So let's see if we can make some fences around this right now. And then let's just go take care of the problem. Charge ahead. I don't,
1: I don't know. That's where my head was at the beginning. I have two questions about that whole process. Okay. So the first one is looking back now. Yeah. What do you think emotionally you were feeling and trying to protect by building those fences and trying to contain.
0: I was trying to write the story myself. I, I was writing a story that, you know, we need some help to get some things figured out, but we have somebody who is in adolescence, and, you know, that's a fun time anyway. Um, a yeah. little bit confusing, and um, we just need to kind of work through this kind of sort of imagining that the work through this was going to wind up landing in a different place than it did.
1: Where did you think it was going to land?
0: Well, you know, I didn't know for sure, but there was a piece of me that kind of thought, you know, there's there's confusion here and we just need to help you clear up the confusion because this wasn't something that I saw in my child and it wasn't something mm-hmm. that I saw for my child. It just didn't make sense to me in that mm-hmm. moment in time couldn't wrap my brain around that based on
1: past experience. Sure. Yeah. And I think also that's another really relatable place that parents often end up. I think, you know, one of the things that I hear a lot from parents is I was prepared for gay, you know, like, sure. Yeah. But gender, what? Right. Like, I did not see that one coming.
0: Mm -mm. Yeah. Not a piece of the, the, I was going to say puzzle, but that's not it. It's really not something that you think through scenario-wise, you know, when you're imagining all the different varied things that can happen, you know, bringing a kid into the world and um walking this life path journey with them. I mean, there's a million different ways it can go. And I thought of a million different ways, but I didn't think of this million and
1: one different way. <laughs> right you said if you could go back and do one moment over again, this would be it. Right. And so I'm wondering if you could go back to that moment, what would you say now?
0: Oh, wow. Um, I would lead with the, I love you and we completely accept you for who you are now and whoever you're going to grow and develop into being in the future. And I don't know how to do this right now, but we're going to figure this out together. I will, you know, admit not knowing, but we're going to find out. And you will always have us on that, on that path and that journey. Yeah. That's a beautiful statement. We circled back to that finally, not that long ago. I actually had that conversation with him you know, if I could go back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty powerful. I bet it was, I bet it was really healing for both of you. I hope so. He didn't say a whole lot, but, uh, he was sure listening. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. So tell me more about what happened next after you had this conversation mm-hmm. where he sort of was like, you know, what happened to, gender conversation at that point? Did he, did it continue to come up or did he lock it down or where did it go?
0: Well, it didn't really go much farther in our own household, um, conversations in the home. I, I feel like I tried a couple of times to open that door and I didn't feel like he was interested or ready to have those conversations. I was glad that we, you know, right away reached out and started looking for someone else to talk to. I think, you know, I was, I was trying to be open, but at the same time, I didn't know even how to start. So, um, you know, we, we <laughs> went online with the insurance that we have and, you know, <laughs> trying to figure out, cause I mean, we don't even know anyone. There's no frame of reference here for me. How do you even mm-hmm. find? help? What does that look like? Um, and, you know, just wound up finding a practice that was listed that was on our um, insurance that had several people who said, oh, hey, you know, adolescence, gender stuff. So I reached out to them, there was someone available, and off we go. So he wound up being pretty comfortable with the person that we found, and had some good conversations. You know, we would be brought in kind of beginning or a little bit at the end maybe to work through some things he was a little bit more comfortable bringing things up with us there in that setting but things were very much at least my read of it and and now looking back he tells me that he was trying to be clear and he was trying to tell us i'm trans and what i was hearing is i'm questioning and i don't I don't know exactly where I fall. And so we weren't really, it wasn't coming together. Um, so, you know, we spent a period of time where there were lots of conversations happening, but I think maybe we were talking around each other a little bit. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What was that What was that like for you to hear your kid sitting there in that office sort of like in that place, you were hearing him say, I'm questioning, I'm not really sure what's going on. I'm trying to figure this out. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, as a mom, you know, you had this vision of what your kid's life was going to be like. And I just wonder in those moments, what came up for you? Well, it was, it was
0: confusing. um, Because I didn't, like I said before, really have a a frame of reference. Um, It wasn't something that I had like suspected because of, things that had happened in the past. It was really scary for me because I I had no idea where this might go. And I had no idea how to do it yet here we were sitting in it and we've got to get this figured out. Sounds pretty scary. Yeah. Um it was very, very isolating. I remember feeling, like, super alone. I mean, thank goodness for my husband, who was very much in this, and we worked as a team through all of this. But, I mean, at that point, he was really the only other human being that I could talk to about any of it. And, yeah, it felt like us in this little space
1: on our own. Yeah. Yeah. Out of curiosity, sometimes when a kid comes out, I know that that can actually drive parents apart because sometimes one parent is on board and another parent is, I mean, either not on board or like ambivalent and sometimes they say hurtful things on accident. How do you feel like the coming through it with your husband has affected your relationship? I think that
0: I think that we were fortunate that we had so many years of marriage under our belt already at that point, and we'd weathered some things together. And so I feel like we already were working from a pretty strong base.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we made the decision early on. I mean, we looked at each other and we said, we have got to do this together because that's the only way that we're going to, make it through this in a healthy way. We we kind of laugh because, I mean, there have definitely been times when one of us was okay and the other one had kind of took a dive, but we, <laughs> we, we tended to kind of alternate our timing on that a little bit so that we, you know, prop the other That's person fortunate. up for a while, right? Um, right? Step in and pull more than your 50%. But honestly, I think that the thing that glued us together the most and we are absolutely going to have the you know united front same attitude moving forward was kind of what happened in our phase two on the coming out story mm-hmm. because there was just no alternative for the two of us but doing it the way we did it yeah and it had to be together so tell me about phase two uh yeah okay we you know had been bumping along for a little while and um the parents were kind of in the zone of thinking that we were still in that that questioning phase and doing what we needed to do you know still going off and having the conversations with the therapist and Aaron and I had run off we'd gone away for the weekend and had gone to a taylor swift concert and just had a great time I mean, we were singing and dancing you know a little car trip and just really really enjoyed ourselves and had gotten home and we're getting settled in and um pretty soon there's a knock at the front door and so my husband went downstairs and it is the county sheriff
2: whoa
0: Mm -hmm. um can you step outside for a moment please i'd like to speak with you so my husband goes out and the door closes and I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? But OK. What were um, you
1: feeling at that moment?
0: I'm just like, well, what happened?
1: You yeah. know, what what happened? <laughs> yeah. Sheriffs don't right. really come to your house to give good news.
0: No. And so, you know, your heart rate's already <laughs> going. And, you know, the sheriff was telling my husband that, you know, they're here kind of doing a check-in, want to make sure that everything is OK, that they've gotten a call from a parent who was concerned? Their child had been texting back and forth with ours, and some of the verbiage was alarming, and had brought the text to mom and said, "I'm not sure what to do." Um, this wasn't a family that that we knew personally, and so um, rather than being able to like call and reach out to us, they figured out a way to to get a hold of us, and I'm I'm thankful for that for sure but basically you know that the law enforcement was standing there and you know asked my husband um are you aware that your child's been going by a different name at school the answer to that is no um are you aware that your child's using he him pronouns at school and the answer is no and um yeah we're here because um Basically, your child's communicating that you don't know and he's scared to tell you, and now we're afraid for the potential
1: of self-harm. Self-harm or suicide? Well, I
0: would imagine um, suicide. Yeah. Because of some of the words that were used. Yeah. Yeah. And the floor fell out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we kind of went from thinking we were questioning but doing what we needed to do and realized that we had not really heard there was all of this going on that we didn't know about. How could we not know that our child was struggling at that level? How... How do you live with knowing that your kid didn't feel comfortable coming to you directly when they were struggling at that level and that it was hidden from yeah. you? Yeah. Wow. That's so heavy. So, you know, it was okay, different name, okay, different pronoun. We're changing that right now. And that that wasn't even the... The heaviest thing. Um, I know a lot of the parents that we talk to say that they they rumbled with it for a long time before they could wrap their head around changing a name, changing a pronoun, and like for the I mean, we made mistakes, but for both of us, it was like okay, right away, we're
1: doing this yes, because like, we're not letting this slip.
0: No, you need to be okay, and we need to do what we can do to make sure that this is gonna be okay so at least initially the gender piece of that it was just a you know we're off and running um
1: yeah so if I I'm gonna challenge you here I'm not sure you know if this is fair or not um if you can try and name for me the the emotions that you were experiencing in those in that like the days that followed or the hours that followed that officer showing up and explaining this to you, right? So I heard, like, the floor fell out. Yeah. And I heard a lot of concern. Yeah. What else was in, and and guilt. I also heard guilt. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, What else was in there? I felt
0: panicked. Hmm. Realizing that this went deeper than we were giving it.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I don't want to say credit for, but that we didn't see that level of struggle. And it really makes you start questioning, you know, what else did i not see what else are we missing if i ask you are you okay can i believe the answer that was it was pretty
1: heavy pretty hard yeah it sounds incredibly difficult probably one of the most difficult things that you would face as a parent so what happened next
0: well um you know we we all sat down and had a a conversation together and asked him about, you know, the information that had been shared with us. And at that point he was willing to tell us what, you know, he was willing to confirm that, you know, what the officer had had said was the case that, you know, he'd been going by a different name at school and um, different pronouns and, had been uncomfortable, wanted us to know, but wasn't comfortable trying to talk to us about it. He told us that, you know, his words and in, in his mind were, were definitely just words, that there wasn't any intended action behind any of the words that were coming out with his friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he used some of those words because he felt so stuck. He felt like he couldn't keep living like he was, but he also felt like he couldn't tell us or we wouldn't be able to hear.
1: And so he just felt stuck. Big breath. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine as a mom, you know, I just recognized as I was sitting here that like I was holding my breath while listening to you tell this story and I would imagine that as a mom, it probably has felt like you've been holding your breath in some way or another since that moment.
0: Yeah, I'd say so. And I don't know that that's something that goes away. It lessens over time. I mean, we are we're, we're two years now past that point and so much has happened and so much has changed. And, um, you know, he's in a, a very different place than he was in two years ago. And, and we are as well as parents in terms of knowledge and, and all that good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I have to say that, you know, once something like that has happened, when something else goes wrong, it can kind of take you back into that, your, your body kind of does that panicky fight or flight reaction. And I think yeah. that some of my reactions to things wind up being more than they need to be. Trauma responses. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, certainly, you know, learning this information, you know, and the severity of it, the way that you did, or in any way, I would imagine, is really, it's trauma. Yeah. You know, it really is. So you were telling me, I'm going to sort of switch gears just a little bit, right? Um, that when you, you went and looked for a therapist, yes. and you tried to find a therapist, and I think a lot of families experience this, like, hunt for a person, and your first door that you knocked on was, well, who's covered by your insurance? Right. It was. Okay. And was the therapist that you found through your insurance the therapist you kept and, and continued with?
0: Um, not for much longer after the the big... Blow up incident that we had. Erin um, came to us. Well, I guess two things happened. Um, she did have some suggestions for us in terms of like support and resources, and had pointed us towards um, P Flag as a great option for starting to get connected um, in the community because we really had no no connection um, at that point to to anyone. LGBTQ, who could really, I don't know, be a sounding board, be a resource. So mm-hmm. she had suggested uh, that we connect um, with PFLAG, which which we did. And then through PFLAG, we wound up hearing about a few local resources. And, you know, we had mentioned, hey, we heard about this. And her response was, oh, really? I didn't know that. And I thought, wait a minute, you're working here in this city and oh. this is a resource in this city that apparently is well known within the lgbtq <laughs> so I- circles and i'm giving you this information um mm-hmm. this is concerning to me and so then a um, nice
1: red flag pop up that right goes,
0: <laughs> in, you're not the right person right and then it wasn't long after that that Aaron came to me and said you know mom i i really like this person super nice and always listens to what I have to say. But I'm starting to get the impression that, you know, I'm willing to share, but what I'm lobbing out there, she doesn't always know what to do with it. And I think I need to find someone who knows what to do with me. And I thought, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh-huh well what do we do well mm-hmm. um I had a few contacts at that point that I didn't have the first time and um, reached out and said okay I need a little bit of guidance here you know we need somebody who um is experienced with adolescence is experienced with kids who are you know more than just gender questioning you know we need somebody who knows about being trans because that's that's the life that we're figuring out and we need mm-hmm. we need help and guidance with that. He needed help, we needed help. So um yeah, got a couple of recommendations and started making some phone calls and uh then stumbled upon a pretty a pretty good situation. So,
1: okay. <laughs> so but I think the thing that I was trying to highlight with that was right. that you found that even though people had advertised even on their, like, bios Correct. Um, on these websites, I know, I know about this, yeah. that after working with them for a bit, you figured out, oh, you don't really know about this. No. Um, yeah. Not as much as I would have expected. When you found your, the right person, yeah. the right therapist, and you sat down with them for the first time, How did you know that that was the right fit for you guys Mm -hmm. and what you were going through?
0: Yeah, well, it was it was important for us that Aaron felt comfortable. And, you know, he made it clear that, yeah, this is a a person that I can I can talk to, which is, you know, super important. Um, But also, I mean, just for clarity's sake, so this doesn't feel like awkward or weird, that you are the person that we found. So, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You're
1: welcome. Uh- right?
0: Um, you know, honestly, we um, walked in, and one of the things that Aaron was expressing was just all of the um, anxiety that he had around school and how middle school was going because it was not a fun experience. And a lot of what was making it unfun, unfortunately, were some of the adults in that school experience. And that's like a a whole entire podcast of its own with all of the stories, right? (sighs) It's
1: like a whole, like, year's worth of podcasts, the school stuff, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. But when he started raising concerns, and he wasn't naming names. He was like, oh, gosh, I'm taking this one class and would say, like, what the subject was. And you'd Mm -hmm. be like, oh. That wouldn't happen to be thus and so. And we were like jaw drop to the floor. Like you already knew what all of the issues were, even in our own like particular school setting, because (laughs) you were connected, right? You've Uh worked with other kids who have gone through this. You're in the Mm -hmm. community. You know, we were asking questions about, Mm -hmm. we feel like we maybe need to get to a doctor, but we're not comfortable going to Mm -hmm the old situation. So do you have recommendations? And I mean, it was just resource after resource that you were able to provide for us. And, you know, yeah. when you're ready to talk about this, I can give you this information. And um, you made it pretty clear that while you were going to be meeting with Aaron and, mm-hmm. you know, Aaron's sessions with you were confidential and I understand that it was also important for you to make sure that as a family, we were working through the things we needed to work through as a family. And so um, finding someone who was taking the, the time to check in with us as a family unit and to mm-hmm. encourage us to have some of those uncomfortable conversations with help. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know that we were prepared as parents to to have the right conversations and do it on our own, and so to have that facilitated with a person that Aaron felt safe with, yeah, that was that was pretty big.
1: I remember you sitting in my office and me telling you, like, "Look, I'm Aaron's person in this, right? But I also need to be your person in this, correct? Right? Yeah. And when you have questions about things, come to me. Yeah. When you have, like, I'd much rather you come to me and ask terrible questions than ask them to Aaron, correct? Right? And I remember yeah. telling you that. So and. You've all come such a long way. It's really been really beautiful to witness.
0: Well, I think that something else that grew out of that, that was so super helpful for us. And if I could tell other parents anything, it would be to reach out and find find some support, whatever that winds up looking like for you. You know, you're not alone and you don't have to do this alone. You know, because we went from being so isolated and, you know, Living our, our normal life as normally as we could at home and then going off to the therapist and having our hour of conversation about this and then going back home again and then you're all on your own. But instead we wound up getting plugged into like this community that got created and we had the opportunity to join some groups which i was a little hesitant about to be honest <laughs> with you when you brought it up and said hey come be in a group and talk about like shame and vulnerability and being brave with other people you don't know who have kids yeah. like yours uh-huh.
1: oh okay yeah, <laughs> i wish listeners could see your face because right? it is like all scrunched up and gross well, and you're like i'm such a classic th- reaction
0: biggest introverts on the planet and so I mean that's a terrifying thought to me um, mm-hmm. but you know we were in the place where we needed to learn and we needed to grow so let's jump in and try this and see what it is and oh my gosh the relief in connecting with other people who were having similar experiences and um, you know it's been two years and the group has added a few, we've collected, you know, a few mm-hmm. more people. Yeah. Um But it has it has stayed this this awesome touch point for us. And you know, there's this group of people who if it, we're we're all in different places and our kids are all in different places. Mm-hmm. And there's usually someone who's been there done that. So when something pops up or you've got a question, um there's resources information, right? If you're struggling, you know, you can just reach out and say, "Hey guys, I just we're having a hard time here." And you know, you just you get a lot of love and support back. And and doing that also for other people when when you mm-hmm. know that other people are having a hard time. Yeah, just the building that community has been that's been huge. And for me also a huge part of that is that there are, sorry, I'm <clears throat> shoot (laughs) (laughs) emotions um there are all of these other parents all of these other adults who see your kid and Mm -hmm. affirm your kid and Mm -hmm. like your kid and invite your kid to go do things and you can be the same person for theirs
1: yeah, it's you get to be so much more than just your kids' support. Correct. Right?
0: Yeah.
1: It's really a beautiful thing. And it gives the kids, I feel like, a really strong sense of what, like, normalcy childhood should be like, right? Yeah, absolutely. We don't have to brief any parents about what's going on. We don't have to, like, worry about sleepover situations, Mm-mm. you
0: know? No, you can just kind of, yeah, you don't have to explain the context. Mm-hmm. You, you just lob it out there and, and people get
1: it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they get it. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that we want to add to this before we sign off and tell our listeners thanks for listening? Mm. You know, I realize this isn't about
0: where we are now it's about where we were then um Mm -hmm. but i would like to just just you know throw out there to people that one thing that i've learned through the process of all of this is that it is so important to give yourself grace i mean feel the feelings that you're feeling because that's the only way through them can't tell you how many times we sat (laughs) listening to you remind us that (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it was an important message to get And, you know, taking things one thing at a time because it's overwhelming. But at the same time, there is there's so much hope. Yeah. And this kid of mine has turned out to be my best teacher. And I wasn't expecting that out of life. Yeah. You know, once in a while you have somebody who... You're, you're lucky if you have like an event that comes along in your life or a person who comes along in your life and upends things to the point where you have to like rethink your perspective on everything. Um, you're lucky if that happens. And I mean, how amazing for me that it was my own kiddo.
1: Can I just say that it sounds like if I were to put it into a nutshell, see if it can do it succinctly, that... Well, you certainly aren't grateful for the trauma of those moments with the police officer and the trauma of learning that you'd missed something with your kid. Yeah. It sounds like, though, you have found a way to be grateful for the experience of getting to parent a unicorn kiddo like Aaron. Gosh, absolutely. Um we certainly got a shake-up, and
0: we got a shakeup that required us to, and me specifically, to kind of stop trying to write the story with my own words and my own direction and my own intentions, and I needed to start listening. You know, it was a hard thing to go through, but at the same time, it felt like the biggest emotional piece, but Mm -hmm. it's not the biggest overall piece of the story.
1: That's a hundred percent true. You know, it's, and it's interesting, you know, it's kind of, kind of sucks for you that I'm like, just stop here. We're just going to stop here at this point in your story because there's so much more to it. And mm-hmm. and in a way, this is exactly what I think I've encouraged you over the years to not do. Like, right. don't stop your story at the drama point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, write the ending. Write the ending. Right? Um, and you guys are. You're writing this beautiful ending for your family. And I really will. I'll have you back again so you can tell us more about it. Um, I think that'll be uh, – I think it'd be really fun and valuable for our listeners to hear, you know, what comes next in your, in your story as well as as it continues to evolve.
0: Yeah, I would love that um, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, ever evolving.
1: So there's always lots to talk about. (laughs) So true. Thank you again for your time, for your vulnerability, your honesty and your authenticity and for being just an incredible, affirming, wonderful mama to your, to your baby boy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful to Jennifer for sharing this small part of her story. We'll have her back in the future to make sure she gets a chance to share some of the beautiful moments that grew out of these dark ones. To answer a couple of the many questions I anticipate would come up after hearing Jennifer's story, we turn once again to Dr. Linda Hawkins. Linda is the director of the Affirmative Therapy for Transgender Communities training program at Widener University and director of the Gender and Sexuality Development Program at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. She has more than 20 years of experience as a clinician and has a wealth of knowledge. Plus, she's super fun.
2: So I have a question. So I'm confused. So I
1: have a question.
2: But what about? So I have a question.
1: I'm going to talk a lot more about suicide in coming episodes, but I'm wondering from, you know, I've got you here, how big of a role do parents play in helping to keep their child alive?
2: They play a huge role and it is a big deal. Um, When our society is, many parts of our society are still saying there is no such thing as trans. They're still saying um, and especially since 2016, saying you get to go to the back of the bus. Actually, you shouldn't even be on the bus. Um, you should be in a mental institution, and you should be ashamed of yourself, and you're a problem. That messaging is really, really loud, and it ebbs and flows from quieter or louder, but I never say that it is non-existent. For those families who have been Able to create a fabulous gender bubble around their trans kid, they know that they've done that and they've worked really hard to make that safe zone. And oftentimes those families will not step out of that safe zone and rightfully so. So we have this really mean world that I know you, Mackenzie, and I, and many other gender warriors are trying to change. And so again, because I'm a nerd, I go back to the research. So yeah, so. You know, 40% of trans adults who were surveyed said that they had at some time in their life thought of ending their life. Now, that was research that was done on adults. So they were growing up in a different time and maybe a different place than now. Mm -hmm. So I like to always frame that. And then the research has gone on further to look at when kids are doing well, what are the variables that help them do better? So you said, how can parents help things go better? Um, and the, the rates of suicidality, so thoughts of suicide or even suicidal preparation for young people goes down to into the 20% range when parents are supportive. So the first medicine for all of this is going back to that thing. It's love. And Mm -hmm. I like to say to parents, there's no copay. Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't need a prior authorization. Uh, it's portable. You know, it. you don't need to refrigerate it. And Mm -hmm. as much as a teenager might say, stop it, you're loving me too much. Nobody has yet overdosed on parental love. So love that that cuts the suicidal thoughts and rates down by 50 percent. And then getting connected to professionals like you as a therapist, like me in a medical clinic further drops that down to what we're seeing is about four percent. Now, the national average for humans in in the United States to have thoughts and feelings about suicide is in, in the one to two percent range. I think it's like right now, like one point four percent. So getting down to four percent is is a range that is better. And that's just from parental support and professionals who say that they'll be able to help them get through all of the crap that's going to be put on them from the world and from yeah. school and from society and from the bullies who right now populate way too many um, areas of decision-making in our United States. So it's real. It's a real concern. I like, to, I like to take that worry and that concern as constructive areas to be doing stuff versus fear and stifling from, from creating solutions. So what are some ways that
1: parents can show their child that they love them in regard to gender identity and being an affirming parent.
2: So first and foremost is just talk to your kid and then actually ask your kid some really good questions and then shut up and listen. I, I feel like shutting up and listening is the, one of the hardest things in our world, because as someone's talking, we're always thinking about what we're going to say next mm. uh, and being able to, to just listen. Oftentimes, the first answer is like, well, use their name and pronouns and get them the clothes and the haircuts that they want. And then what gets really confusing for for some parents is when the kiddo is like, no, 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 you don't need to change name or pronouns for me right now. And then the parents are like, well, maybe my kid's not really trans because they don't want these things that are in the book. So that's why I always go to ask the question, shut up and listen and create your own playbook. As a family, what does... Jamie see as supportive. What does Joey see as helpful? And that's where, you know, connecting with a therapist can be really helpful in creating that playbook because that can be that third person who, like, that's their job. So they help facilitate, like you do all the time, Mackenzie, they facilitate those conversations around language. Do you want to be called brother now? Do you want to, you know, do you want to be called son now? And, and write that playbook for the family because, you know, part of having a trans kid is taking the playbook that you thought came with your kid or the owner's manual that you thought came with your kid and changing it up a bit. And so the answer to your question, clearly I'm saying is like, it's very individualized and it's also at the pace that works for a kid and a family. I've had many young people come to me and when they're in their Teens and I say, so what, what made now feel like the really right time to be sharing this with your family? And kids know what's going on in their family and know what's capable in their family. And oftentimes I'll hear things like, well, my parents were going through a pretty rough divorce, and so I wanted to wait until everybody was kind of ready to add this to the family to do list. Or, yeah. I have an older sibling that has a lot of challenges. And so I didn't think I was okay managing this myself. And now that my sibling is doing better, I think, I think I'm ready to, I'm ready to have this be a priority for the family. And also things like it's okay if grandma or grandpa doesn't get my pronouns right. I know they love me um, mm-hmm. because they, they got me a boy sweater for Christmas. Right. You know, so so the playbook gets to be very individualized. And I feel like parents oftentimes want to come in and they just want me to hand them a playbook. Right, right. And, what do we do? What do we do? <laughs> and the biggest thing I can say is I can tell you what shouldn't be in the playbook. And that's what I call in-home bullying, which is, um, you know, kind of making fun of a kid when they are expressing themselves through clothing, kind of parents need to check their face uh, when it yeah. comes to how they respond. Oh yeah um, and oftentimes seek out their own counseling to describe and, and and share maybe their disappointment their worry their fears to another adult to get it out they have to get it out if, if adults think that they can play a poker face 24/7 <laughs> they're either amazing or they're sorely wrong <laughs>
1: right they should go get an acting job immediately.
2: Exactly. Um, and, and just, you know, that's a little bit too much for a human to expect of themselves. Um, and so just there's, we have a pretty clear list of things you shouldn't do, but as far as the should do's, that's going to come from, um, really from within the kid and the family.
1: One of the things that I always try and do with families is I try to normalize for parents when kids aren't in the room that it's okay that this is hard and it's okay that this is, that they're struggling and it's okay that they're confused and, your kid is not the person to turn to with all those feelings.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah. yeah, like that's that's what i'm for or let me refer you to this other person that i know is really great and can help you through those feelings. but um but please don't turn to your kid for with those they already are being really brave by showing you who they really are.
2: absolutely. Yeah. and they're also you know whether it's their own personal worry of disappointing their parents or having a negative reaction or that, you know, the, that worry gets reinforced by a lot of messages from young people on social media where, you know, the, the predominant story is still parents who are rejecting of their transgender kids. So I've, I've seen parents who are who are super open and, you know, have LGBTQ friends and still their own kid has yeah. been anxious and depressed and hiding their transgender identity from their parents. And their parents are like, but this is us. And when I get the kid alone, I'm like, what made you feel like your mom and dad or your mom and mom or your dad and dad weren't going to be supportive of you? And, and the young person will say, like, I, it, it was confusing because I knew they would be okay, but I, I, I saw these other, I heard these other kids who they thought mm-hmm. their parents were going to be okay too. And they, yeah, they were. now were shipped off to live with, the, an aunt or an uncle because the parents don't want them. So boarding school boarding school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, just that for our smart, emotionally, uh, really well connected kids, they, they are fabulous warriors. Yeah, they really are (laughs) spinning it as a strength. I'm like, okay, so how can we use your superhero skills to do good for yourself and stop doing ungood for yourself? well this one was a bit on the heavy
1: side and just a heads up the next one will be also i'm going to take a deeper dive into suicide i'm yet to meet another person who is as comfortable with talking about suicide as i am it's a tough one but my go-to method for tough has always been to mix it with laughter so it might be a little messed up but join us next time when we make inappropriate jokes about the super serious topic of suicide and openly push our agenda, keeping your kids alive and living a life they want to live. I just want to reiterate again that Camp Wildheart is meant to be a community. And if there is anything we can do to support you in supporting your kid, please let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Wildheart Society. Or you can send us an email at camp at wildheartsociety.com. Thanks again to Jennifer for sharing her story and Linda for sharing her expertise. To learn more about the amazing work that Linda is doing, or if you're a clinician interested in learning more about how to do this work well, please check out the Affirmative Therapy for Transgender Communities Training Program at Widener. This program is run in a cohort model which builds community among other clinicians doing this work. It also provides ongoing supervision and support for therapists invested in providing the highest quality care for their transgender clients. This coming cohort will be online, making it accessible to you no matter where you live. I cannot speak highly enough about my experience in this program. I went from feeling isolated and alone in the work that I was doing to being surrounded with clinicians dedicated to the work and experts who have pushed me to grow clinically all the way through. If high quality work is important to you in your practice, make the investment, you won't be disappointed. We'll put a link to the program in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us for Campfire. Be sure to subscribe for free to the podcast so you don't miss future campfires and give us a rating. Rating the podcast helps other people find us. And we want to make sure that anyone who needs us knows there is a spot for them at Camp Wildheart.